On the evening of November 5th, 1975, Mike Rogers was making the return trip with his logging crew from their work site within the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest. Rogers stopped the truck when he spotted a luminous object moving through the treetops that did not appear to be of earthly origins. As the floating object moved toward the truck, one of the crew decided to try and get a closer look. Travis Walton left the vehicle and as he approached the craft he was struck by a blue light that hurled him to the ground with seemingly lethal force. Afraid for his life and the lives of those of the crew still in the truck, Rogers slammed the vehicle into drive and fled from the site, thinking he had just been witness to his friend's death. After an exhaustive search by police and volunteers of the area where they had encountered the UFO, no trace of Walton was found. Five days later, Walton's brother-in-law received a phone call. Travis had resurfaced in a town 30 miles from where he had last been seen and believed only a few hours had passed since he had been gone. This case file, the theorists keep their eyes on the fire in the skies in the Travis Walton UFO encounter. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 98. The story of Travis Walton. Yeah. I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. I'm Andrew. He's back. He's back. Back again. Beans is back. Um, Andrew, I know you got it. Before we get anything going, a little preface, why don't you just give us a little tale from the east side? You want a little something, something? A little update, uh, please. A little, little update. How things have been going? I've been I've been gone for a bit, boys, because things have been a little wild. Things have been a little crazy. Uh, there's a new designer drug on the streets. Designer drug. Orange crush. Orange crush. But seriously, like it's it's been fucking nuts, man. People have been dropping like flies, and so like I don't know if everybody knows. Obviously, you boys know. The big deal with the opioid crisis was the fact that they were lacing all the opioids with uh, fentanyl, right? right? Yeah. And all it took was like the most minute little granule of fentanyl uh, in the people's heroin to fucking put them down further than they could be ever with heroin, right? So right. people were dropping like flies. Everybody's panicking. Everything's crazy. And then it kind of died out a little bit. It, it's, it hasn't really died out here. It always kind of stayed pretty consistent. But uh, like... Just it was crazy. It was like within fucking two or three days, people just started dropping. And you know, we have Narcan, which is an antagonist to the opioid. So fentanyl is opioid based. You give them enough Narcan, they come up out of this, you know what I mean, out of this respiratory depressant state that they're in. Well, now that they've laced this drug with with a benzo, and I don't know if you guys know what a benzo is, but it's like nope. the same stuff that's in a lot of anxiety medication and it's it's a it's a sedative right so what's happening now is they've put this fucking orange benzo in all their drugs that's why they're calling it an orange crush these people are going down with the fucking heroin that's laced with fentanyl and then they have this heavy sedative on board 
and we can reverse we can reverse the fucking uh, the respiratory depressant state, but we can't reverse the fucking benzo. So these people are fucking zombies, man. Like the emergency rooms are piled with these fucking people in this like vegetative state. And I'm talking like 10, 15, 20 of them at a time. It's fucking nuts, man. Like people are dropping like flies. It like it happened. The the first case we had was two weeks ago. And since then, I myself in the past fucking two weeks have done 45 cases of this. Holy shit. Wow. 45 fucking cases. It's been nuts. That is fucking crazy. Dude, it's it's nuts and like it's really crazy because you you know what I mean. You get a chance to talk to these people and they legitimately think that there's this is purpose based. They think people are doing this on purpose. So they have no like, idea. There's a lot. Of, they have no idea that they're going about to do it. It's just oh no, they, they that's unlucky. the fucking ridiculous part is these guys are vets, man. These guys are all ghetto vets that have been shooting up and snorting and bumping and whatever for fucking god knows how long. Yeah. They know their drug. They can look, they can look at their down, look at it and be like, I know there's fentanyl in there and they still fucking bang it. They look at the drug and they know it's orange crush and they still do it because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because their, their need for that is it way outweighs any risk. They need the fix. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. They just need, they don't give a fuck, man. It doesn't make any difference to them. Jesus. Man, it's how crazy. good are these drugs? That's what I, I want to know. It's either that or is how much pain are these people in that they need the fucking relief from it? That's, you know well, I mean? My like, thing is like if you if the drug is meant to be sold, it's a really shitty drug then if it's like turning all these people into zombies. Like well then is it or is it meant to like or is this some kind of drug that they're putting out there to kill all the homeless people? Well, that's mm. what the, a lot of these people, honest to God, believe. Like you pick them up and you get a you have a conversation with them. They honestly believe that they're they're being killed off because they want to gentrify the area. Sinister. And they, they, it's all coming. It's all coming from fucking China. And they think mm. that there's fucking the, well, and you know what's right next. Well, Dan probably doesn't know, but what's right next to the fucking downtown East side or what's right in the heart of the downtown East side other than fucking Chinatown. Playland. Exactly. Playland. <laughs> That's right? where it's coming through. I mean, I wouldn't, well, it's not that far fetched. I think it would be yeah. like something because you said like Vancouver, it's got a real big, uh, like property kind of problem, right? They have a lot of Chinese people coming in and buying properties and driving big time. Uh, a lot of the residents out. Right. Dude, if you saw the fucking archi- the architecture that's wasted on the downtown east side, man, it's fucking crazy. Like, there's the most beautiful buildings you've ever seen that are just fucking shit houses, basically. Yeah, just giant piss houses. That's all they are. It's fucking sad. It's, it's actually crazy. It's 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 got a rival. You know, what, some of the worst homeless problems in the world. It, oh, it's man, a hard in the, in the, the civilized world. It is a hardcore solution. Western that is real and really far to be like, we're going to murder all the homeless people by giving them. But I don't know. You know, it seems like something they the could drugs. probably do. If you, Dude, I mean, you already have that network. Well, put it this way. So the put it this way. If these drug dealers are making these drugs and they've noticed, okay, you know what? We're killing off some of our fucking some of our clientele or lots of our clientele, why do they keep getting fucking stronger? It's true. They keep getting stronger and stronger and we don't have enough Narcan to fucking counteract it. Like it's, it's nuts. Hmm. Weird. But I'll be honest, that, that that's not even the most fucking impressive thing I've seen. 
<laughs> okay. Went to a call the other, went to a call the other day for somebody having chest pain. Come banging on the door. Turns out we went to the wrong house. Guy opens up the door. His in, his entire body and his entire fucking room. His room's not very big, but I'm not, I shit you not. His entire body from head to toe and his entire fucking room covered in peanut butter. <laughs> like, I'm talking like fucking lathered. Did he say? Did he say? Got any jelly? <laughs> no, but he's he's like he, he he's looking at me like I'm fucking I'm the idiot for knocking on his door. You're like, the what? weird one. Yeah, he's like, what, what what do you want? Like, what, what's the problem here? I'm like, oh fuck, man, I don't know. <laughs> like, <fuck>. I <laughs> have no idea what the problem is. There's a problem here, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> Yo, I was looking for a dog. I was worried about animal abuse, but that's just like that's fucked up, man. Anyway, sorry for derailing it, boys. Let's no, continue on here. Good, love those stories. Love the tales from the east side. Oh, well, yeah. why don't we get right into some space news? Uh, I got a whole bunch here. One Zelly went talked about hidden. Oh, this is so old. I'm gonna, I, I was about to say it, and then I fucking. <laughs> I just I caught the, I date. the date. It was posted. I was like, I'm no. Astronomers get a rare direct look at an exoplanet thanks to new telescope techniques. Oh, shit. And then the preface of this is, telescopes are more than just lenses and mirrors. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. Um, The new kind of observation using optical... Here you go, brain. (laughs) Interferometry... (laughs) Uh, with the gravity instrument is another important tool as it can measure the light from exoplanets directly rather than based on how they change the light from stars they orbit. Um, so it's te- it's a technical achievement, uh, said the study's first first author, uh, Sylvester LaCour, LaCour, team leader and researcher at the CNRS Observatoire de Paris. Uh, we've done something that nobody could do before. So uh, it's kind of cool. We got some new satellite forms, getting some better shots of exoplanets. Uh, maybe we'll get some better shots of exoplanets in the Goldilocks zone coming soon. Got to happen. Um, I got one here. NASA's Parker Solar Probe makes second daring flyby of the sun. Awesome. I, this this one's so surprising to me because I uh, when we first broke this and our names on that thing. Yep. I thought it was just crashing into the sun. That's I, I thought its mission was fly directly into the sun, and they were gonna take they were gonna take information along the way. So then when I was like second flyby, I was like that motherfucker didn't fly into the sun. It probably <laughs> no. It's eventually, doing a, it's doing a bunch of circles around it. Eventually, it's gonna get First, too close, and then it's then gonna it get burned up. But yeah, this this one was fifteen million miles away from the sun, or 22, 24 million kilometers. And that is pretty much the same as the first one on November 5th. But they're hoping to eventually get it down to about 6 million kilometers. So still really far from the sun, but closer closer than uh, we've ever been. It's like the fastest man-made object in the solar system right now. Yeah, it's going 343,000 kilometers per hour at the moment. Just trucking. So what's that? One-tenth the speed of light pretty much, isn't it? Or no, no one. Uh, no, what's what's the speed of light? Three hundred thousand kilometers per second, something like that. Two hundred ninety-nine thousand, something. Anyway, yeah, it's going. It's it's humming. It's going. It's going. It's cool. So, yeah, 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 about. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. About that, something like that. 
Well, it's two hundred ninety nine thousand seven hundred ninety. No, two hundred ninety nine million seven hundred ninety two thousand four hundred fifty eight meters per second. So it'd be like yeah, about three hundred oh, kilometers. Okay. So divide that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, this one's a cool one. Composite overwrap 3D printed rocket thruster endures extreme heat. Um, so NASA, you know, seeing if they can use 3D print printing, they made a rocket thruster, tested 2,400 pounds of thrust out of the 3D printed copper rocket thrust chamber with composite overwrap to see if the uniquely made hardware could withstand the heat and structural loads from the testing. Uh, and it did. So that could mean... Uh, <laughs> There's like, there's so much innuendo in that. And like, I can't yeah. get over it right now. Structural load. Thrust. Loads. Yeah. Like, it's, oh my. 200, 2,400 pounds of thrust. Force. Yeah. yeah. Rocket thrust chamber. <laughs> it's the sexiest space test ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it could endure the heat <laughs> uh so that you know, you know if that if this works and this is a you know viable models it's sure going to cut the cost of uh making a lot of these things for space well they're and that's going to lead to as they say they want to like set up those 3d printers in space mine asteroids oh, or planets and then build the rockets and shit in space so you don't have to get away from the like the gravity so it's way easier yeah yeah did you guys see the, the video i posted in discord of the 3d printed robots they want to put on mars like 3D printing is going to get us so far. It's going to be oh, amazing. It's going to be unreal. Uh, well, there's there's a concept that uh, w- one company's put forth of like um, they're going to basically land a bunch of 3D print like mono wheel 3D printing robots on Mars, and they would have those robots basically build like construct like infrastructure and um, like shelters for uh, like astronauts when they get to mars so everything will pretty much be prefabricated like when they get there so they can start production and and uh um like they'd have these shelters kind of set up built out of the martian regolith which is like the martian soil yeah and they would build these kind of dome structures that inside they would place the inflatable um they're going to build up like these inflatable kind of structures that would just like expand and then they'd be kind of like self-contained or uh, somewhat self-contained and so you could put astronauts so everything would be ready as soon as the astronauts land, which is huge. Cause I've never even really thought of that for yes. me personally. I was like, I thought they just land there and it would just like suck. And they just had to put everything together. But it's like, yeah, put robots on there. They could do everything, get everything ready. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> Humans land just right to work. Don't have to build yeah, you just oh. had to turn, you know, just turn stuff on and you're like, Oh, hello robot overlords. What do you yeah. need me to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Uh, what do we got? That's all I got for space news. Anyone else got a, Oh, that's, space a, news? that's it for me. All right, let's wrap that up. Wrap it up. Um, why don't you fire up the randomatron? Uh, I'm, I was digging the fan stories. Why don't you fire up another, see if you can hit genre fan story. Gotcha. All right. And we're thinking at it right now. Fan submission. So um, just a quick little preface there. This one is from a fan who wishes to remain anonymous. So hopefully they didn't write their name in the story somewhere. They gave a couple experience, but I'm going to read just the first experience. Um, Hey, guys, I'm just going to get right into it. 
I've had multiple strange experiences involving lights in the sky over the past year, and these are my two most important stories. If you guys choose to share it on the show, please keep it anonymous. I'm so sorry for how long they are. I just want to include every detail I can so that maybe you guys can help me figure out what the hell I keep seeing. First experience. I went on a spontaneous overnight trip with my best friend to Point Reyes, California, around March of last year. Point Reyes itself is a really cute town, about half an hour from the beach with a huge creek connecting to the ocean. We went there to see the shipwreck, which the small town is known for. We arrived at around 5 p.m., had some dinner, figured out where we were staying for the night, and then took a hit of acid for some added fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well... So oh, immediately, <laughs> there goes all I the don't, credibility. I, yeah, I don't want to say that's going to discredit the story. Let's let's wait. Let's pass judgment. Hey, not um, necessarily if you do hallucinogens. Yeah, maybe what you're seeing is just you're peering into it. You know, different reality, and it's actually real. Yeah. But no one else yeah. will ever know unless you're doing the drugs with you. Um, <laughs> Benefit of the so, doubt. Here. Uh, hit, uh, just for some added fun, I know that drug involvement can really discount a story. But what we saw and experienced that night really cannot be attributed to the substance, in my opinion. I just had to include it for honesty. Well, we appreciate that. At around 11 p.m., we decided to go for a nighttime walk along the creek to see the stars and see the shipwreck again. We tried to go onto Google Maps for directions, and neither of our phones worked. They just kept glitching, and the app kept closing. We thought that was weird but decided to try and walk anyway, even though we didn't know where we were going. About half an hour in without seeing the shipwreck, we felt lost and decided to head back to the hotel. We made it to the parking lot and decided to sit down and stargaze and stare out at the water. I was counting stars when suddenly I saw it. A bright orb about the size of a very large beach ball was floating slowly over the top of the trees. This ball of light was close, hovering right across the street from us barely over the power lines. It was changing colors, alternating between a light purple and red. I got this huge wave of calm when I saw it, which is honestly one of the weirdest parts of the story to me. Very calmly, I pointed it out to my friend, asking him if he saw it too. We kept talking to each other to make sure we were seeing the same thing. Suddenly, there were more of them, all trailing behind the first one at uneven intervals all slowly blinking different colors. There were six in total, each going at their own pace, floating toward the mountains in the distance. There was no one else around, and these things were completely silent. I had my phone on me, so I tried to open the camera act or camera app, but to no avail. My phone wouldn't even let me unlock it. I stared right at the first stared right at the first one, trying to remember as much as I could when I suddenly started saying some weird shit in a sort of robotic, emotionless voice to my friend. I was telling him to be calm, that they wouldn't hurt us, that we were safe. I don't really fully remember saying this, but he swore to me that I said it later on when we recounted the story to each other. What I remember is kind of blanking out while watching them until I heard a voice in my head telling me to go back to the hotel. I don't know how else to explain it. My body just turned around on its own and started walking back to the hotel. 
My friend later told me that he got the same weird feeling and we both walked back. We spent all night trying to figure out what we saw and couldn't come up with anything. I can't even tell you how long we saw them for because the tail end of my memory is so foggy. They were, they were moving at a walking pace. So I think we saw them for about a full two minutes, question mark. Both of our phones didn't work correctly until morning, and I have no idea how to explain that. If I had been alone, even I w- would have blamed the drugs. But the fact that we both saw the same thing at the same time really makes me think otherwise. Cool. Oh, that's oh. a cool story. I mean, that's a fucking wild story, but acid's a hell of a drug. Yeah, that's a hard thing. The the, the overwhelming column, I, I would kind of like to know more. Um, if you listen to this, this is your story. I'm not going to say the name. Let us know, when did you when did you take the drugs? Is this late in? Are you coming down? You, uh, is it building up? Um, I'm kind of interested in that. Um, I, I, it's interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, the feeling wild. of calm. You know, it sounds like you lose some time there. You know, it, it's got some, it's got some, you know, it's, got so it's just the- hard when the, with the drugs. Uh, <laughs> that's our thing. <laughs> yeah. But what about uh, well, a lot of people who take hallucinogens all tell similar stories. So one of the theories is that when you take these, they just, it's like a door of perception. You're actually experiencing Ooh. stuff differently than you would if you weren't on the drugs. So maybe you are actually seeing like some type of entity, but no one's going to believe you because like, well, you're fucking on drugs. But maybe it's the actually the drugs that allow you to contact. Allow like are opening the third eye or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. What Like interdimensional, like the doors of perception, whatever you want to call it. So that, that's a big, that's one of the big theories, like especially with people who do like uh, like DMT and like really powerful ones. Yeah, they but. see. Yeah, I guess you hear a lot of the same stuff, so. I'd have to know when, like, what, what time of year it was, because if it's all floating at uneven intervals, like, you could have actually been seeing something, not exactly, you know, something uh, supernatural or or something beyond the veil or however you want to put it. But I mean, it could be something as simple as like sky lanterns could have been somebody just letting off a bunch of sky lanterns and they were moving through the sky and, you know, with your... Yeah, well, your altered perception. It just kind of looked that way. The colors kind of uh, mesh together or or whatever, but it could be something like that. I, I'd have to know what time of year it was. Maybe, I don't know if people do that. I, I know people do it over in like Thailand and things like that, but uh, sometimes people do it here for certain things. So it could have been something like that. Could easily been that because yeah, when, you, when you're on acid, stuff does tend to blend in its own weird way. All into... It's, it depends how much you do, I guess, but it can be quite profound, like how much stuff actually changes. So who knows? Cool story either way. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for sending that in. Uh, if you got stories, you want to send them. I'm not going to guarantee we're going to read every one, but uh, we'll throw them in the randomatron. If they pop up, we'll uh, we'll give them a read. Just let us know if you want us to use your name or if we can use your name uh, and if what you want us to keep censored. I see that this one came with a second experience, but maybe we'll save that for another time if it pops back up. Put it back in. Um well, yeah, plug that one back in for part two. Now, let's get into the Travis. Tra- Travis. Travis. And also, if you can keep the word uh, photography or photographing uh, out of your stories. <laughs> really help us all. That would be great. Any, any, any words over four syllables. Uh, yeah, you know, keep them up. Don't, don't go that far. <laughs> You'll break. You'll break Brayden's brain. Um, so I'm. I'm. I'm probably gonna read. I'm like. I'm gonna wear a reading rainbow shirt or like hooked on phonics <laughs> shirt to AlienCon. I think. 
let's talk. So Travis Walton UFO incident. What's this? Uh, what's this about Dan? What do, what do we got going on with? What's what's up with Mr. Walton? Well, Travis Walton uh, UFO incident is probably one of the most well well documented cases of UFO abduction uh, that we have. There's a lot of bits and pieces to it and a lot of weird stuff happened uh during that time but uh most people will probably remember it if the first time you saw it was the uh fire in the sky movie from i think it was 1995 um which was a great is a great movie i i watched that movie when i was a kid and it scared me scared the shit out of me for like a week yeah <laughs> Could not i would sleep. the yeah the movie's loosely based because from my understanding and you know reading Walton wasn't exactly impressed with uh, Hollywood's rendition of his story. Yeah, I think it was a, l- a little bit different. But the guy who did direct it uh, actually went on to direct a lot of stuff. He directed an episode of the X Files. He did a couple episodes of the uh, Expanse. Uh, now, um, good show. So he I, j- I just want to point out, you said episode because uh, <laughs> oh. I'm always catching shit. <laughs> I didn't even notice when Dad's and, talking. Uh, I don't I just even pay point attention. That out. Dad said episode, not episode. So. <laughs> Mm. Let him have it, everyone. Oh, no, you got me. Oh, no. <laughs> Dan, you idiot. Oh, God. <laughs> More um, like Dan blows. <laughs> Rain swings and misses. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, I got to try to get mine in when I can. So let's go ahead and take everybody back to November 5th, 1975, when Travis Walton and six other members of his logging crew, which included Mike Rogers, Ken Peterson, John Goulet, Steve Pierce, and Alan Dallas, and Dwayne Smith. Uh, all these men lived in Snowflake, Arizona, and they were leaving a job that evening uh, from a place in uh, northeastern Arizona's Apache Sitgreaves National Forest. And that evening when they were returning, they're all in one truck. They're all in one truck. And on their way back in the sky through the trees, they described later what they saw as a luminous object that was shaped like a flattened disc. And as they recount it, Travis Walton uh, was the first and only one to get out of the truck and actually approach the craft. Now he kind of uh, later people asked him, of course, like, you know, who's whose first reaction is to see a, a flying saucer and you're going to get out of the truck with your buddies and go look at it. Um, there, there's kind of what I can see. There's kind of conflicting reports as to whether he did it again like he was influenced in some way walton says that he just felt you know odd like he just wanted to get closer and see it but when his friends kind of recount the story they say that he almost moved it seemed like he was moving against his will like he was enthralled as by some force or compelled to get out of the that's what they said but in like his his account like at contact in the desert he tells a story and he's like he he says that his friends think that but really he was just he confirms that he was just, he wanted to do it for whatever reason. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's some people who are like, hey, let's stay in the truck. And there's people who are, uh, you know, let me get out and take a better look. A thousand dollars. I would be in the truck. I, nope. No, a thousand dollars says fucking that's exactly what Mr. Conspiracy would do. <laughs> oh, 100%. Out, or, oh, yeah, 100%, 100%, man. He'd get out. Oh, yeah, 100%. You think you're fucking he'd tough? He'd get out and he'd full sprint. <laughs> 
Yeah. 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 No, full sprint. Fucking boys, you coming? You coming? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a fucking chance. Yeah. So as he got out of the truck um, and approached the craft, I guess he got pretty close. And what happened next was that he... He was described as being thrown to the ground by a bluish beam, and this kind of where the the fire in the sky uh, name comes from, because it looked his friend said it looked something like a blue flame, and it just it knocked him out on the ground, gone. And his friends, you know, understandably shocked by this, they thought he was dead. Well, yeah, he thought this thing had killed him. He he described it as what he thought. He came to reason afterwards. He thought it was some type of static charge from the craft that turned into a blue beam. But yeah, he said he, he got thrown like 20 feet and his buddies just took off because like, well, he's he's toast. Travis is dead. We're out of here. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he went like ragdoll when that thing hit him. Like, yeah, it, he it's and napped him back and boom, like they were sure that he was dead. Yeah, they're like, there's because no way that he could How survive. would you explain any of that? Yeah. And to be honest, we would have left Mr. Conspiracy already as soon as he got <laughs> out of the truck. Well, peace, bud. <laughs> right? So, like, I don't blame them at all. 100%. No. You see your buddy get blasted by some floating disc. You're like, well, we should probably leave and then we'll come back and pick up his body. We probably right. would have left him up there anyways, even if he didn't get hit by anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, go check that out, buddy. Well, we probably would have done the exact same thing that the rest of the crew did because after they left, I mean, they felt they couldn't leave their friend back there and they went back to go look for him, but he was gone. They went back to the exact spot where they had seen him get dropped and his he was gone along with the craft. From here, you know, you have the stories kind of diverge. You have his friends uh, talking about what happened afterwards. Immediately afterwards, they went to, the, I think, the closest town to where they were Um the closest gas station, I believe. And they were contacted the local sheriff's office and here the sheriff's office, they called and made a report to one of the deputy, uh, deputy sheriffs that their friend was gone. They, they, they tried to recount it as best they could exactly how they had seen it. And I mean, you can imagine how a, you know, small town deputy sheriff would kind of react to this. You guys fucking murdered him, didn't you? <laughs> That was the first thing on his mind uh, when he got there. Uh, when they finally got, like, the sheriffs actually got out there, the deputy sheriff said he got, when he got on the scene, like, he saw the men and how they looked, and they were in various, uh, you know, sorts of disarray. Some of them were just kind of walking around with the, the shocked look on their face. Two of them, I think he said two of them were crying because um, they figured their their friend was dead. Mm-hmm. And these guys were all good friends. I mean, they, they had had their troubles before, but this well, was not something... They, 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 two, two things. They weren't all good friends because one of the guys, Travis Walton's like, I didn't even fucking know that guy. Everyone says we were friends. He just started like two days earlier. Right. He's like, I'd never met him before. He's like, he wasn't my friend at all. He goes... He, I've, I saw an interview with him. He's like, everyone says we were all these best buds, but he's like, I didn't even know this one guy. He's like, I didn't even know him. I knew him just for a couple days. Uh, and then secondly, wait, when they all were out the guys there, or Mike? I thought Mike Rogers. I was pretty sure Mike Rogers and Travis Walton had known each other for a while. Yes, no, no. The reports had come out that they were all friends, but oh, one of the oh, guys, okay. one of the guys, had just started working for the company, so it's like he. Walton was like, I had no idea who this one guy is. Like, yeah, I'm really good. I'm buddies with this guy. I know these other guys, but like, 
you know, to say we were all the best of buds, like this one guy just started where I'd never met him like three days earlier. Right. Yeah. But Mike then, Rogers, who is like the the boss, Mike Rogers, who is the you new know, Travis. The yeah. Yeah. The him and Travis had been working together for about like at least 10 years, I think. Yeah. Um, um, but they said so, the sheriff was like, all right, guys, like boys, just show me where the body is. Right. Tell me, yeah. like, show it is so we can get this over with already. Yeah. Show the me. Deputy, sh- like, I saw an interview with the deputy, and he's like, yeah, the first thing I did was try to get close enough to him so I could smell if they had any, any booze you know, the, and the odors of alcohol coming off them and things like that. Because how are you going to believe this kind of story where these guys are, are somebody just disappears? Nobody just disappears and gets taken up by a, by a UFO. That's not something that happens around there. They figured that, you know, that this guy had, his friends had, murdered him whether intentionally or unintentionally yeah it could have easily been a login accident that's probably what they're thinking like oh the login accident something happened he got killed they didn't want to get blamed so they probably hit him that's what that's probably the first thing they thought the sheriff so that's what the the friends who had made it out they had to deal with the police for five days um and in those five days uh Travis Walton was experiencing something else. Uh, During these five days, he's not sure how long he was up there. Um, Walton said that after he's not sure after an uncertain amount of time, he woke up and he thought he was in a hospital. He said he was, had uh, light shining on him. He was in a lot of pain. And uh, when he managed to, kind of his eyes weren't he said i think he said a couple times his eyes didn't seem to be working normally they they were everything was kind of blurry um but when he woke up he did manage to take a look around and he described seeing um these three creatures who were staring at him that had what he did you know he described as brown quarter-sized pupils um so they weren't like the giant grays that people had described before probably the, the popular um, depiction of extraterrestrials. They were a little bit different. Um, big, they said big they people, were quarter size people about quarter size people, mm-hmm. like a big pupil though. I got a quarter right here. Yeah. Nobody that's can big, see that. That's cause... a big pupil. <laughs> big ass pupil. Yeah. Well, I mean, those are big pupils, you know, it, but, but they're not the huge, big black, you know, the you almond know, eyes, big black, big black oblong yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is how he described them, and they had marshmallow colored skin. So I assuming really, well. I mean, you'd almost say like Zell has marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> I take that as a compliment. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, work, I work. Well, I work hard I mean, on that marshmallow skin all winter long. Yeah, he's about as soft as a marshmallow, too. Oh. <laughs> Raiden's firing tonight. Oh, I got to give it every now and then. <laughs> it's a good thing I don't, I got, so, it's a good thing I have my mouth guard in here right now, or I'll, I'd really, uh, I'd really be getting it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No one knows. I'm missing my front tooth right now, but I have like a fake one and it's hard to talk. So I'm sure I'm going to get beat. <laughs> Start whistling. I don't know. But uh, Walton, you know, understandably, he freaked out when he saw these creatures and he tried to fight them off with whatever strength that he had uh, in his body at the time and managed to actually evade them. And he escaped out of this room 
um, into another room, which he said that he found uh, what looked to be a chair with some sort of what he identified as a control panel. Um, and he was, he described it like his feeling as he was exhausted. Cause I mean, you would be if you're just run away from a bunch of aliens and I don't know. After getting fucking by, probed for five days. Yeah. If, if that's what, yeah. And you were unconscious for five days. So he's weak. He sat down in it. And he said that when he sat down in this chair, uh, a collection of lights filled the room and he, I believe he referred to it as the star room. Um, and he felt like this was some sort of, uh, you know, display for some kind of star map, um, which it, it could be. I mean, you see it in science fiction all the time. There's a kind of like a navigation room where you kind of sit in a yeah. chair and you can kind of move it. And he said there was even on a lever on the side of the chair uh, that you could control the star map. And that was displayed in front of him, which is kind of something we've, you know, you know, that has been a concept before, but I don't think it had really been in, you know, this was 1975. I don't think they really had kind of this stuff in popular culture and things like that. Right. Well, um, when, when so, did Star Wars come out? Star Trek. But they didn't have that. Not even in Star Trek, they didn't really have something that you just like move the star yeah. things, uh, you know, not, uh, no. like an actual holographic display. Holographic you know, of the universe or the galaxy. Or the right, like a 3D holographic display of the universe or, you know, galaxy or whatever. I don't think that was really a, a thing that existed in kind of popular movies or things like that. They didn't really have those. Um, now, after he had kind of played around with this display, I guess, uh, he heard a sound behind him. And he says that he reported that he turned and he expected to see those same creatures that he had just uh, escaped and but he he described himself feeling pleasantly surprised when he saw <laughs> a tall human figure wearing what looked to be blue coveralls with a glassy helmet but this but it, it seemed to resemble a normal human being um but he he didn't really realize until later that the man's eyes were larger than normal and they had a bright gold color to them weird Ooh. so diff- right. different looking than the three creatures that were that he's seen in like the operating room or whatever right so c- completely different taller uh look like to be sizes like a normal human he tried to speak to this this entity but uh it, it he said that he couldn't understand it or it tried to speak to him as well. Like they tried to converse, but either it was speaking a different language or he couldn't understand it through the, the glass, uh, the glass helmet it was wearing. Uh, but it did uh, manage to the communicate that he should follow him. And he followed the, I, you know, I'll refer to it as a man uh, down the hallway Don't uh, assume into a larger room uh, that Walton said, seemed to be some sort of hanger. Yeah, like car- carried other craft in it pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like an aircraft carrier but spaceships. Right. And I and I believe he also said that he saw another ship in this hangar yeah. and it looked similar to the one that he had seen out there uh at, at in, in the forest. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, so it's like this was some kind of, you know, whether he was on the original ship or the ship had had retrieved him as something um you could kind of put all kinds of stuff together but um it's on some sort of carrier mothership or something 
Right. And after visiting this hangar, uh, this entity, uh, this man, uh, led him into another room, which he reported contained three more humans or people who looked human. And it was a woman and two men. And they also looked the same as the the man who had come to get him. So they had the strange looking features, the, the strange eyes. Um, but these people didn't wear helmets. Uh, so Walton immediately said he tried to ask questions of them because, you know, why not? Um, and he said they didn't respond to him. They just kind of gave him a dull grins. And then they led him uh, by his arm to a small table. And, one, and once he was seated on this table, he said that one of the women... Uh, held a device that looked like an oxygen mask and she put this on his face and before he could even try to fight back or you know realize what was happening he said he passed out oof out you know didn't even ask him to count back from 100 just out chloroform boom and like and meantime this is going on it's been it's five days they have like search and rescue going looking for travis the sheriff yeah like we got UFO. Over hundred people. Yeah, we got UFO researchers now coming in. Like the, it's this has gone like worldwide news, like worldwide news, and yeah, they had a real manhunt going on. They had tracking dogs out. They had every kind of resource you could find on a, you know, for a good sized manhunt, and they couldn't find anything. That's you know? they didn't even found a a trace of them. Yeah, it like tracking dogs, like police tracking dogs, are no joke. They'll get you. Know, they'll get you. Uh, you bring those things out there, they will find you. <laughs> That's This is one of the things when, when people debunk this one, right? They're like, oh, there must have been at least one other guy in on it. And like they did it for the money for like to get UFO of the year or UFO case of the year or whatever. But to have no trace of Travis anywhere with tracking dogs and like 100 people and like helicopters and like search aircraft. That's one of the that's one of like the pros for this one for like legitimacy. Is like how uh, how many people I've been there, I've been there for search and rescue. Like I remember telling you boys a story a long time ago about this crazy lady that escaped from the ambulance, and they did. We we grabbed we got two police dogs. They did uh, helicopter doing flybys and everything like that, and we didn't find her. And she was like ten minutes away at she, her family's house. Uh, it was because in the morning yeah. she went, she you was up making fa- pancakes. You still found her? How'd you figure out she was at her? Someone's house. That was the girl making pancakes in the morning, wasn't it? Yeah. The demon girl? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like... I don't she know. Still, she was still found. Yeah, the family found her. Had nothing to do with the dog or the fucking spotlights or anything like that. Or the helicopter search and rescue. I just still think it's like... It's just... That's a hard one. Like, they didn't even find Trace. Like, where they said it happened, they're like, there's no... There's no nothing. There's nothing. Like, basically, like, if he, he wasn't out here. That's what they're saying. Well, the the only way it, it it could have been fake is if the whole crew was in on it. The whole obviously. crew had it been had it been the whole crew. The whole crew had to be in on yeah. it. Well, and that's police like police were starting to think that that because you know they were thinking that the the group was concocting a cover up of like an accident or a homicide. Yeah. But like you know, I heard uh, reading other places like you could have come up with a way better. An alien. Like that was the case. A way better story than aliens. You could have been like, we saw an animal and some animal grabbed him. Well, are we getting into debunking this? Or are we still going to talk about? No, it no, no, not not debunking yet. We're just we're just saying no, that. Okay. They were searching for five days, no trace. They're pretty much ready to give up. And then, and then, Walton turned up. Boom. He's back. 
All right. Uh, Walton says that he woke up on the side of the road in Herbert, Arizona, which is 30 miles southwest of where he had been last seen. And he said that he remembers seeing the craft close its door and float away into the distance and kind of take off. Um, so he had seen the craft actually drop him there. And so Walton ran into this town and he tried to find someone to help him, but he said that the town was virtually empty. And he ended up having to get in touch with his brother-in-law at about midnight, five minutes past midnight. And then about an hour later, they managed to come get him and he was back uh, to to civilization. And the brother-in-law was one of the guys on the crew. Well, yes. Was it his brother-in-law at the time? Because I know he married that guy's sister, but I wasn't sure if they were already yeah. married at the time. It wasn't his brother-in-law at the time, but it was a fellow member of the group and it was his girlfriend at the time. Yes. And then eventually she, he did marry that girl, which was, so yeah. 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 Okay. Makes yeah. sense. So, but the weird thing is, is that, you know, Travis Walton reported that he believed that he'd only been gone for an hour and a half. He felt like he'd only been gone for a very short time, not five days. Yeah. When his brothers told him that like, Hey man, like five days, he's like, check your face. And he had like five days beard growth. So he was like, Oh shit. Like right, right there. He probably like started freaking out. He's like, how do you right. how do you lose and, so much time? Uh, and during the time that he had been gone, uh, and the police were still trying to figure out what he, you know, what had happened to Travis, they had administered polygraphs to members of the crew, yep. and they all passed those polygraphs. Now I know a lot of you know polygraph stuff has been debunked mostly, um, yeah, almost one hundred percent. You know, it's not even really admissible in court anymore. I don't think it's kind of junk, but you know, just the fact that they were like, okay, we'll take it, and then. They weren't you know, even back then. They weren't even be like, "Oh, they." Why would you? Well, I, you know, I can't really well like explain the, the reasoning why they would be like, "Okay, we'll take a polygraph test," and like it's it shows that we're telling the truth. It did show, I think, for the most part. And then some of them were because a lot of this stuff is taken from his book. A lot of the accounts of the polygraph. But like when I was building houses, I built a house for a, like a homicide detective who was the polygraph man. So they still use the polygraph. <laughs> the polygraph man. <laughs> that's that's what I that's what I told him because he asked he wanted me to hook me up to it and I was like no way man hell no I well, give you sort your lies out. <laughs> I was I was building give you the option man <laughs> right like they'll give you the option like do you want to take it right they they can't force you to take it no but I'm just saying that what he it's more of like an indication of guilt it's more like you know you know it's like hey. Would you take a polygraph test? And if the person says no, then you're like, mm, you know, and if they say yes, then it's like, oh, okay, well, I would Would you submit to a polygraph test? Then no that's kind of like, you know, are you lying? <laughs> Let me tell you something what the polygraph man told me. He's like, yes, the polygraph is not really admissible in court anymore. Like you can't convict people based on polygraph tests, but a good polygraph operator will know when someone's lying. Like they, they are like 99% sure. But because of the, there's been so many botched cases and like precedent of like court cases over the past like 40 years have made it be that you can't use the polygraph anymore. But a good polygraph operator, he's, he's this guy's telling me, unless you're like a master of like how to beat the polygraph, like this guy will know within like a dozen questions, like exactly like pretty much your whole life stories, you know? Totally. Well, so, from what I understand, it's the, the person himself is the actual lie detector. Exactly. Right? Like the, the machine is reading your vital signs, right? Like your your heart rate's getting elevated. You're getting agitated. That's what the machine's reading, right? Yeah. It's 
Yeah. And like they say, the only people who can truly beat those are psychopaths. People who believe no, their own lies. Just no emotion. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a crazy. lie if you yeah. believe it. Yeah. Or you're loaded <laughs> up on fucking Valium. <laughs> but yeah, always- somebody was saying to beat a polygraph, like you should like you keep like a pin or something like you could keep like a, something and like jam it into your finger like while you're taking it or something weird like that because like, well, then it, it just it it, it makes, throws everything it makes off. it in, well it makes it all inconclusive because all right. your answers are going to be elevated right yeah yeah exactly. so it's yeah so all his buddies seem to pass pass or or inconclusive the results so there's no like automatic fail they're just like either right. pass or it's inconclusive we can't really tell on the polygraph yeah so what do they do when Travis shows up? Throw him on the polygraph. For sure. Right? Immediately after they get him, right? He doesn't have any real time to kind of process what's happened or, or what's going on. And the report is, is that he failed that yeah. lie detector test. Well, the thing well, now, the thing was with this, though, is they went to, it was one of these like UFO researchers told them to go to this doctor if they, like if he turned up or whatever, if they found him. So they actually went to this doctor in, like up in um, Phoenix before they actually went to the cops. And the cops didn't find out that Travis was found until like the media got a hold of it. And they're like, oh, what and, the fuck? And, and the doctor, you can use that term quite loosely because from what I understand, he was a hypnotist. Yeah, he turned out to be a hypnotist and kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. he wasn't an actual like, medical the- doctor. <laughs> it's like the doctor from doctor. Simpsons? <laughs> <laughs> the quack, yeah. Are you doctor I lose that I use that term loosely yeah <laughs> so he was that's unbelievable well, it's so like Futurama. What, what I've got a PhD in homeopathic medicine you've got a PhD in baloney yeah what's so what was did he ever say the thought process of going straight to this doctor what to get the hypnotist to get the regression yeah sorry the well, hypnotist, they were gonna yeah. do the hypnotic regression thing um I believe um Travis Walton was familiar with the Betty and Barney Hill case, and he was familiar with kind of the uh, regression hypnosis, uh, getting the full story out of what happened. And I didn't get far that too much into the uh, what his whole mindset was into going into that, but it's just like you want to know what happened. Well, he was no he, like like after this all happened like if it was came out that like he he was he was into UFOs like what 22 year old kid wasn't at the time right so he was aware of yeah Betty and Barney Hill and like regression hypnosis so that goes a lot of people use that for the debunking like oh it was pre-planned to go to this doctor and get you know regressive hypnosis before like they didn't trust the they did at this point they didn't trust the government, I guess, or the police. Right. Well, wasn't his wasn't his dad supposedly abducted by aliens, and that's why he's no longer in their life? I don't know. Apparently, that's why. That's I, that's what I I remember reading an article, and they're saying that his dad was abducted by aliens, and ever since then he was obsessed with aliens himself. Um. I yeah. I had read that uh, his family believed they'd seen numerous UFOs. I didn't say. I didn't hear read anything about his dad necessarily being taken. But I, I did read that he was obsessed with the idea of alien contacts. Right. And one person who really um, harped on the whole thing where he, uh, they had kind of found out he had an obsession with UFOs and was familiar with the Betty Barney Hill guy was one uh, UFOlogist named Philip Class. And Philip Class was uh, one of the kind of big UFO debunkers at the time. And 
he was kind of, uh, he was all over this, um, trying to debunk it, uh, trying to do as much as he can. Now, Philip Class actually has some kind of weird, like a kind of weird part in this story. Uh, apparently, what I was going into, and I, I was, I was watching a few documentaries uh, about the Travis Walton case. Uh, one of them mentioned that Philip Class uh, was actually close friends or had uh, close correspondence with another uh, astronomer out of Harvard who was also a UFO debunker named Donald, Donald Menzel. Donald Menzel actually had connections, uh, like correspondence with the NSA. Oh, Ooh. And correspondence with JFK at the time because JFK was on the board uh, at the the board of uh, I can't remember what it's called the board of like Harvard like he was on on one of those things so and JFK also had an interest you know interest in astronomy so they had correspondence with each other and Donald Menzel um, actually had a lot of contacts with the NSA at the time and oh. Philip Class and Donald <clears throat> Menzel were best buds and. Philip Class allegedly offered uh, one of the men, I think it was uh, Steve Pierce. Um, yeah, the youngest one, the one that was crying. Right. They he they said that he offered Steve Pierce like $10,000 to say that it was a hoax. And he didn't do it. In, and he didn't do it. That's crazy. Because like, right. like, these guys really didn't make any money off of it. Just, right. Just but Travis. Well, like, just where, Travis. Where did, where did he get the money for $10,000? Because back then, 1975, $10,000 was like a good chunk of change. And this guy, Philip Class, was not rich. You know? Oh, so some, some people yeah. say that it was a tactic used by uh, the government to try and push the story off right. track. Exactly. Because that was kind of the thing that they were trying to push it to, to kind of debunk it. Like Philip Class, they say Philip Class was kind of like, looked like from the outside like you know whatever casual observer or whatever right um he looked like a good candidate to be a person who worked for the cia he wasn't married uh he traveled a lot uh you know he had a lot of influence in media uh he was a really well he was a well-known for writing like editorial pieces and things like that he could get he was had a lot of good credibility and during the 60s and 70s the cia were heavily into you know getting uh media on board with you know disseminating information and kind of things like that. So Philip class looked at least if, if you got kind of go into it, he looks like a good candidate for the kind of person that you would find to be like, uh, you need to get the story to go away. You need to debunk it. You know, 10 grand is a lot of money. 10 grand is a lot of money back then. <laughs> well, and here's the thing we said that, you know, they didn't make any money, but one of the, like the naysayers say that like, because Walton was so obsessed with UFOs, um, they think he would have been aware of the National Enquirer offering the $5,000 reward for positive proof of an extraterrestrial encounter. Um, and, you know, one of the theories is that Walter and the crew divided that five grand and gave the exclusive story to the Enquirer. But then even saying that, it's... Wasn't it a hundred you know, grand? I only say I only saw five thousand, yeah. and if that's the case, someone coming being like to one member being like, "I will double it," right? For you to just yeah. say it was a fucking. But they never got the shit. money. They never. There was never money given well, from the National Enquirer. Well, I thought that the story was never released by the National Enquirer. I thought. I didn't. I didn't find. I just found that they they knew it, so I didn't see if he they got the five thousand reward. But I'm saying if there if there was a reward, 
you know, this guy was offering him double that to be like, no, it's not. So it's like right away to me, I'm like, well, if, if that was your like motive behind it was this $5,000 oh. reward. And now one of you is being like, they're going to give you 10. Like, it's 1975. That's not like, like no, fuck, th- this is- I just say it didn't happen. Fucking right. This is it. So the National Enquirer had a $100,000 prize offered for proof of UFOs or proof that UFOs were extraterrestrial. So they heard about this case and they said, because actually, I guess Walton actually, it was three separate lie detector tests that he took. So the National Enquirer hired this one guy, his last name is McCarthy, and he described Travis and Dwayne's results as the plainest case of lying he had seen in 20 years, obviously. <laughs> and then the Enquirer did not publish the, and did not publish the story because they failed the examination. But that's, I mean, that could easily be like the Enquirer just like got a guy to like, just tell these guys that they didn't like they're not getting the money because you know yeah we're not we're not giving that out that was a, that was a joke sorry yeah yeah they never really thought yeah it was with the National Enquirer we National had a story Enquirer, about Bat Boy like, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I married Bat Boy oh those are always the best ha- headlines Bat Boy there, okay there's a there's a one quick side track on National Enquirer when I was at uh, Universal Studios Orlando there's a Men in Black ride. And when you're walking through, there's a part where you like you walk on like the second floor and you're looking down at like the MIB pit where like you know all the agents sit in the movie. And if you look down and you look closely, there's one desk, and on the desk there's a National Enquirer. And I'll post a picture of this. And if you look closely at the National Enquirer, it just says man with the world's smallest face. And it's this guy with this huge <laughs> melon and this really condensed little face. I was fucking howling. I was like, oh man, whoever put that there is hilarious. But that's a that's my great. National Choir story. So they didn't get the money from the National Choir. So, you know, what what other reasons? The, the, and the other other reason I saw is that uh, you know, this logging contract that Mike Rogers had was like the most lucrative contract they had got, and they had uh, a strict timeline, and there's gonna be penalties if they fell behind schedule. So they were working crazy, crazy overtime to try to like, you know, keep on schedule. And it was looking, it was looking bad for them. Uh, And, you know, one of the things is that they use this as a much needed act of God that was in the clause. So Mike Rogers could avoid any costly penalties. Like um, because losing, like having Travis get abducted, saying that they couldn't complete the contract. Yeah. And that way, he avoided paying any penalties for but the alien, work alien abduction. Behind. Yeah, I, well, that's the thing, right? That's what a lot of people say. Like that's their benefit. But I'm like, why that? Like, why not? Well, well I guess he, get get two birds stoned, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, right. you know, two birds stoned. <laughs> get two birds stoned. You win the fucking money from the National Enquirer, and you get out of your shitty contract. Bada bing, bada boom. All right, get those birds high. Either way, everyone would have to be on board in that truck. Yeah, well, you tell all the boys, you guys fucking sick of chopping these goddamn fucking trees down? Because there's a, there's a way. Split fucking hundred grand? Let's do it. I mean, yeah. uh, if big you dirty. were going to do it, you could just not tell some of the guys. Like only like two or three of them would probably have to actually be in on it, you know? And then the other ones you could just throw in there for credibility because they're then their reactions would be How do you, you know, how genuine. Do you fa- yeah, but what how do you sighting? fake him getting launched? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, I have no clue. Unless he, I'd have no clue how you would fake something like that. Some yeah. fancy ass disco balls and fucking <laughs> some Seven, se- seventy-four Plymouth. 
weather balloons and some swamp gas or what? Yeah, <laughs> what, man. What, what was the one from... Uh, what was the one in England Back we did? The future? Is that what you're thinking about? No, but that's All good. Oh, the Randlesham at 74 Plymouth 74 in the woods Plymouth there? Plymouth just bouncing, <laughs> bouncing around <laughs> out there with some lights on. Some lights? Yeah. Woo, woo. <laughs> like it, yeah. Well... I don't know. One weird thing that I can say about this is that they did go back and visit the area where Travis had been blasted or blasted with that with that blue ray. And they managed to uh, determine that it has that area has been experiencing a strange amount of growth, growth, growth. I'm pulling a braid in growth, <laughs> growth, growth, growth. So they've actually cored out sections of trees in that area and they submitted them for testing. And this was before, like the area actually, this was just before the area uh, suffered a a pretty big uh, forest fire. And when they did test the cores of the trees, they found that something was really strange about uh, those trees in that area. Uh, The test showed that the trees had experienced rapid growth and the tree trunks that had faced the area where the UFO was reported to be seen had uh, rings that were remarkably wide and elliptical. And they were rather than the the standard concentric rings uh, that most trees have. And they said that the tests show that there is some chemical change to the, to the soil itself, man. And, but yeah, remember when we talked about crop circles, how it, in the crop circle, the plants experience like accelerated growth and like weird abnormal- right. abnormal- uh, abnormalities. It's contagious. It's contagious. Hey, so yeah. Once one person starts, got, it's all dominoes. This guy, this guy got fucking tossed. What we're approximating like twenty feet, right? That's what. Yeah. He, that's what they claim. So, are we assuming that the aliens magically fucking fixed all his injuries from getting tossed around? Hundred hundred percent. Yes. Plus, don't you not get like hurt as bad if you go limp for an impact or something? Yeah, you're still if he was already knocked out and ragdolled, like, would he matter. not be you're, as hurt as bad? You're getting, telling me this guy's going to show up without any fucking signs of trauma whatsoever from that? He should. I mean, the aliens he should, would probably. He should have been covered in <laughs> covered in bruises at least, right? The, the the one thing I find interesting is he's got that he's got that apparently he's got some a really small looks like a uh, needle incision above one of his elbows, right? And there's a lot of debunking going on, being like, no one would ever, you know what I mean, put put a vein, or there's no main artery or vein there, right? So why would anybody put a, a needle there? Right. Because yeah. he, they, That's they tested... That's not where human veins are, but they, maybe alien veins are there. <laughs> well, because they tested his piss, right? And they, he wasn't given off any ketones, which means in that five five days, he had been well fed, right? So people were saying, well, you know what, that that needle there was probably from some type of, you know, intravenous that he was getting to get sustenance. But, you know what I mean, there's no main vein there in a human. But what I was thinking is, you never know, maybe they have some type of highly sophisticated inter interosseous drill, right? That goes right into the bone because that's what Ooh. we use, right? Obviously, we can, like, we leave a lot bigger, larger hole than... Mm was left on Walton, but you know, obviously they have some type of advanced technology, right? Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. Wait, so you Should can feed someone cool. intravenously into like bone, right? Right into the bone marrow. Is that like, like if the- we can't get, if we can't get an IV on you and you're fucking bleeding out and you need fluids now, 
we'll we'll go right into your like right below your manubrium. We'll go right into your tibula. We'll drill, oh. fucking zip, push some fucking lidocaine, and then there you go. You're ready did to go. Not, I did not know that. That's crazy. It's the most painful thing ever. We did it oh, on a guy. We did it on a guy that was conscious last block. He got shot eight times, and we couldn't get a fucking vein on him because he was fighting us. So we held him down, and one of the ALS guys just drilled right into his fucking tibula, <laughs> screaming. He forgot about the gunshot wounds and was screaming because of the fucking drill. It hurts that bad. Bone, yeah. And then you push the lidocaine in. It's supposed to be the most painful thing in the world. But you saved his life. Uh, well, no spoilers. He got him there alive. I don't know if he's alive now. No he got shot. He got shot eight times by a fucking twenty-two. So no exit wounds on any of them. Oh, it's like 50 cent. Yeah. Well, it's all ricochet though, right? Because it's 22. 50 cent got a lot of uh, through and through. Through and oh. through, for the most part, if you don't hit anything vital, you're going to be okay. That's better. 22, there's no exit wounds. So that fucking bullet is just ping-ponging inside you. Also oh, hit shredding you. Hits, hits your rib or something and this bounces around in there and who knows no, what. No, just fucking bounces, ping-pongs inside you and fucking just shreds you. That's why I've always said for my zombie gun, for the zombie apocalypse... 22 with a box magazine of like 100 rounds and just aim for the eyeball and then just bounces around the skull, kills the whole brain. I win. Totally. <laughs> I win. <laughs> I win the zombie. Uh, I win yeah, the zombie I apocalypse. I win the zombie. Fireball. High score. <laughs> uh, so what's everyone's thoughts on this one? Uh, is it a hoax or is something, uh, is something really happening to Travis in these woods? Well, you know what I think? It's bullshit. Like, you know, you dig into this guy's past a little bit. Like, you have, you listen to a little bit of that uh, class guy. He did a little dig in his past. This fucking Walton guy was writing bad checks, was fucking uh, found guilty of fraud. He uh, partaked in a lot of fucking recreational activities like acid. He was obsessed with fucking aliens and stuff like that. So, where, so am I. He just finished. He just yeah. You're not doing anything fraudulent. Zell. Yeah, but Zell, you're not writing bad checks, right? You're not, not doing anything fraudulent. I'm not writing checks at all. You know so. What I mean, so, and Andrew, you calling uh calling hoax? I'm calling bullshit. So you're thinking that he did it to try and uh, either for the log to get out of the logging logging contract, or for the money for the UFO case of the year, or both? I'm saying. I'm telling you, he was trying to get fucking two birds stoned, and if it didn't work out, it was all water it's, under the fridge. <laughs> Have you been watching the Trailer Park uh, Boys uh, cartoon? How can I not be? It's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Two birds stoned. <laughs> now, now I think uh, this is a tough one for me because I'm like, there's parts of it where I'm like, it's very weird. I'm like, it's hard. It's hard to get that many people on board, especially someone who's new to a crew. Like, you know what I mean? As soon as you're getting the police involved and they're like thinking that you murdered someone, if you were new to this crew and you'd be like, yeah, these, I don't really know these fucking guys. You know what I mean? Like, what's your, what's your loyalty to this lie? Especially if cops are all of a sudden being like, you know, we think you murdered him. Right? Like, you'd be like, hell no. I'd be like, absolutely not. I like, I'm not, these guys told me to lie. This bullshit. He's hiding in the fucking woods. Yeah. And that, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. So then I'm like, okay, so then like maybe let's say just Rogers was in it or just an, a third. But how the fuck? I was trying to think in my like think it through. How would you how would you fake what you saw, right? Which would explain if you did have something rigged up, it would explain how 
like why Walton ran to it, right? Because he wanted something to happen before anyone was too close. How does he get launched 20 feet? And how does all these other people that may or may not be involved, which which I'm thinking they couldn't be, or is someone would spill the beans, how would they, how would you fake that? How do you fake getting zapped and launched 20 feet? Right? Just without, like, without a massive amount of electricity, like, static charge and like you probably kill like liquefy someone with the power of, of yeah doing that. <laughs> exactly so i'm like that that part to me is really weird very concerning that like he's failed all these polygraphs he even was on that show in like whatever 2008 the moment of truth and he failed the polygraph test on this on network television in 2008 when they asked him uh about it so uh that's like hard but Part of me thinks is because maybe something like this did happen to him. Something happened in the woods, but then maybe he's lying about the extent and he's maybe fabricating the story. Like maybe he's, you know, giving it the Hollywood treatment himself. And that's why he's there. Keep catching him lying, but something did happen, but maybe it wasn't, maybe it's just missing and lost time. Right. But he wants to account for all this stuff. So he's giving you all these other details that maybe aren't, necessarily true all right so you're like mm-hmm. you're uh, you're it's plausible but you're not convinced what you're saying um i think something weird happened in that woods i don't necessarily believe travis walton's account of it i believe the other five guys but him what he says he remembers in that in the in the spaceship and shit i don't believe any of that shit because he only he only remembers that through hypnosis does he not yeah, that's why I don't, I don't, I don't put any weight to that at all. Zero. So what happened on the I spacecraft believe, is who knows. Yeah, I believe he woke up five days later and was like, "Where am I? What happened? Holy shit! I was abducted! Right? I'm gonna cash in on this. Oh, this is my payday! No way! And then like, I and things started lying from there. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm a, I'm on a similar route as that. I think it's it seems. Very improbable that all these guys are in on it. So something happened to Travis. And just like with a lot of these cases, maybe like if you weren't there and you couldn't experience it, you just can't believe it no matter what. Like, all right, maybe if he got zapped by the craft, which this is the only time that I think we've ever heard of someone getting like physically hit by the UFO or like its defense mechanism or whatever this bolt was. So to have like your all your buddies... In the crew, even though they're not all like his buddies, but they're all, like it's your work buddies, it's your work crew, right? For them all to be on board, and no one, no one's ever really come out and be like, "Yeah, you just, you know, he's, we're all in on it." No one's ever really come out, right? It's always just been no, like there's inconclusive polygraphs and failed polygraphs. But if we just take out all the polygraphs, no polygraphs, the guy was gone for five days. No one knew where, no, like no one knew where he was. There was and a, they were search searching. He ends up 30 miles away with the beard, with like a five days beard. And like they confirmed, like through the investigation, they actually confirmed that he did make the call from the phone booth. Like he did make the call at that same time. So for me, I, I mean, I, I fucking alien abductions are like cheap. I love them. You, you want to believe so bad. Uh, you want to believe. And like I, as a lot of these cases go, like say he did get abducted and this, like, Maybe he doesn't really remember what happened, and the hypnosis is just like his brain trying to, like, f- put it together, 
what happened when he was unconscious. So maybe all that's not real. I think something happened to him. I don't know if it was fucking no. Some like the world's full of like unexplained phenomena. Maybe like it was not an alien, but maybe like something like some weird like you know at, all lightning at, even some weird atmospheric static charge fucking nailed this guy, and they all thought he got fucking killed. They ran away and like he got up, he stumbled away, like he was his mind. He had fucking five day amnesia and he woke up five days later in a different town. He's like, what the fuck. And like everyone's like, oh man, you got abducted. Like you need to go to hip, you need to go to like regressive hypnosis. And he did that. And his like the brain's a creative organ. Maybe like the brain just filled in his whole scenario and for him. It, well, and his love of aliens, right? Yeah, like obviously he was he was into it beforehand. Like he was he knew everything about it. He like he was he was a fan. Like just like we were at twenty two, I was a fan. If that happened to me, I was like, I got abducted by alien for sure, hundred percent. Even though I I wouldn't have known if I did. So that's what I think. I. I'm not. Hmm. I'm not saying it's a complete hoax. I'm just saying maybe. And then a, a lot of these times, when ha- this stuff happens to people, they do see the dollar signs in the end. They're like, "Oh man, hey, we give you a book deal. You know, write your accounts, biography, hundred grand. You know, the the tour, the circuit tour, and all the UFO conferences. Contact in the desert, and then the, boom, that's your career now. From one event. So I don't know. I'm not saying it's a complete hoax, but I'm not fully convinced that it's told maybe exactly how it happened. Dan, what do you think? So I could really go like I'm more leaning towards it did happen. It did. He did get abducted. Um, my theory is that if I if I were these extraterrestrial entities, here's what I think it happened. That type of that forest that they were working in, that national park is actually part of one of like the largest uninterrupted uh, I think it's deciduous or pine forest, pine forest in the world. Yeah, um, it's remarkable. It, it's it's a unique. So perhaps this was some sort of kind of like cataloging vessel, not the one that he ended up waking up on. The thing that he did see was perhaps some sort of like scouting vessel, like that was a, a unmanned vehicle. So when he a- exited their car, it identified him. wasn't sure if he was a threat or not, and then you know, hosed him with the, whatever the, the incapacitating <laughs> beam or whatever it was when it, when it actually recognized what he was, when his friends left, maybe it took a closer look and these aliens, maybe if they're benevolent or not decided like, Oh man, we really effed up. Like, uh, maybe we should fix this dude, <laughs> you know? So maybe they took him on board the ship. Um, those things, the, the, the creatures that were, uh, examining him in the first place, um, I know we talked about it before that, you know, the smaller aliens are kind of grays or perhaps some kind of like they're either bio organ biotechnological organisms or, or something like that. They're used for, you know, cause you wouldn't want to, if you had like little robots that could do the job of kind of examining, uh, you know, uh, what could possibly be a dangerous uh, organism or something like that, or has any types of pathogens or, you know, whatever you don't know um, you, you'd send in little tiny robots to do the job. So they have these little guys examine him. He manages to escape. Maybe that wasn't part of the plan. They identified him as not a threat. And they kind of, that's when the other alien kind of comes in there and says, hey, you know, tries to talk with him, calm him down a bit, give him a little tour, maybe. Um, Shows him the hangar. That's what kind of gets me is the hangar. And that he sees the ship that he had been, that he saw in the woods. So I'm figuring that sort of like scouting vessel from the mothership, if you. All right. Um, they knock him out. 
they drop him at a town that they realize, you know, they they make a scan or whatever. They realize that it, that town's empty, so there's a less of a possibility of them being sighted and whatever jeopardizing their mission or something uh, even further. So they just kind of drop him off, and then they're like, "Okay, later, peace, get out of there." So. I'm kind of with Brayden too, that maybe he either is embellishing some parts or even the regression hypnosis. Like there's some influence from his subconscious kind of influencing what he saw or what he's describing. So maybe it's not a hundred percent accurate. So he's not really sure when he's telling the truth or not, but perhaps something did happen and the events are somewhat close to what he describes, but not exactly true. Um, in the, in the truest sense. So it could be something that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking when I watch these guys, like tell the story, maybe, you know, it's been what, like it's been like 30, 40 years. Yeah. Long since this happened. And maybe they're just really practiced at telling the story. But when you do see them tell the story, they don't seem like they're, they're telling that they don't seem like lying. Um, they just might be really good at it. I don't, I don't think these are the most, you know, these are the biggest I've ever met. Yeah. That seemed a little extreme. Um, and this was a big thing. Like this was a big, huge thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if there were, you know, government influences being like, we need to, we need to downplay the story. We need to do everything we can to debunk it and whatever, um, you know, do everything they can to discredit that story. Hear that. Um, and get on that because we, I know, I know we'll probably talk about it on a podcast later at the case file about the what the consequences or what would happen if full disclosure did happen and extraterrestrials were found out to be have existed visited or are currently visiting there we'll talk about that later but suffice to say that that would be a really huge thing and it would disrupt a lot of people's powerful people's plans or whatever they were you want to think about for sure um so I'm saying that I, I believe him. Like I, I believe him. I would believe them. Uh, you know, when they talk about what happened after, you know, they, they said that he got abducted and that was the only explanation or they felt like that was the only explanation. Like their life was like hell. Yeah. You know, you yeah. constantly had people come into their doors, you know, they turned down interviews from people who are just constantly just trying to debunk them and stuff. Like that. And I could see how that would be something that, I don't know if they would have thought maybe they didn't think about that at first. Sure. That could happen. They thought about, you know, maybe like Braden said, they were just dollar signs, but I don't think they would have reported it and held on to it so hard if they didn't really believe in it, you know? Right. So that's what I think. I, 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 I believe the guy. It is definitely one of the more convincing abduction cases. He he doesn't like when you listen to interviews with him. He doesn't sound like a like a sounds like a normal dude. Yeah, sounds like a logger. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't sound like uh, you know a proper woodsman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that's it, the it, other thing. Like, yeah, he's just he just yeah he just tells the story like he's not he doesn't really add dramatic flair to his and he even goes far as to say like. Yeah, it's not like the it's not it's like like and he also like a lot of things you read, uh, like that his friends say he's like yeah I don't know why they say it like that because I didn't feel like that I didn't feel like I was walking into trance I was just walking towards it and like he really downplays a lot of stuff so I'm kind of like, you know, is that a sign of a liar is that is that a sign of a really good liar that he's now adapting like from the the things psychopath be like, 
to make it better, but it's, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a very, very interesting case. Um, should we? I think we should wrap this one up for now, though. It's look it been, up. Uh, it's cool. Check, look it up. Let's get into some brand new five star reviews. Mm. A couple good ones. South Aussie Love by Trippin' Chicken from Australia. Love this podcast. Started listening years ago. Now. It all started for me right back at the fucking pyramids. Loving the regular episodes these days too. Cheers, guys. Yet to find another podcast that makes me laugh and seriously think at the same time. It may very well be the perfect blend. Hashtag pawn time. Pawn time. (laughs) (laughs) I got uh, five star. The most enjoyable prolapse of my life. By XFKFDHKJFD-JNFVLHOIGHKDI from USA. These guys talk about alien theories with the same elegance and grace that Ron Pond combs his mustache. You guys should be Canadian ambassadors to America. We should. Sign us up. You hear that, Trudeau? Sign us up. <laughs> Come on, Trudeau. Um, any uh, Facebook Reviews there, Zell. It's got one one nice simple new one from let me get this right. Sir Boosington. Just started listening today. Started at, at episode one. Love it. So you'll you'll hear this in who knows how long. But welcome to the show. Oh good. Uh we've got some new Patreoners. Uh if if listen, we've been preaching Patreon forever. Um it's it's awesome now. It, when it first started, we didn't have lots. We've got tons now. Constantly coming out with stuff. Um, and you're supporting your boys. Uh, helps us do things like AlienCon. It's going to help us do uh, move into live shows soon because we're starting to get to that point where we want to start planning those kind of things. So get on our Patreon. Help us because uh, maybe it'll, it'll help us get to a community near you. I see us uh, do some live podcasting. Got some new Patreons here supporting the show. Uh, we got Matt, Dim Boots, Shaley Austin. Uh, who else we got here? Spicoli, Kaylee Welch, Anthony Joubet, Joubert, and Kyle Holiday, Ruben, Tina. Oh, we, met, we already read Tina. Palma Chan. Boom. And... Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Really helps the show. Helps the show grow. Uh, helps us do cool things with the podcast. Uh, what else we got? Zell, you got a prolapser of the week? I do got a prolapser of the week. This week's prolapser is Oriana. She is, she's been on our social media, and she signed up for Patreon a little while ago, and she has been super active. She's like a climate scientist. She seems like it at least. She gave us a bunch of stuff about climate change. She's always on our Discord, you know, and she's just a certified OG prolapser. So, Zell's prolapser of the week, Oriana. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, just one last thing. We do. We've been doing this thing on uh, our Discord. If you get, join our Patreon, you get access to our Discord channel. Uh, I did a little campfire chats where we just kind of anyone could jump on, talk about conspiracies. Uh, a lot of people had some good stories, so uh, I'm looking to do more of those. They, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Zell, you even popped in for a little bit to the campfire. Uh, 
we went on, chatted with a bunch of people, just tell, talking conspiracies, all sorts of stuff for like an hour. So uh, that's something you're into. Get on our uh, Patreon and get access to Discord. Um, anything else, guys? Anyone want to plug anything? Yeah. My band, Lucky Monkey, is going on tour. Come see us at a city near you across Canada. United States tour to follow, you know, in like five years. We'll we'll figure it out. But it's hard it's hard to get it's hard to get down there. It's hard to get across the border. We gotta get you gotta get like a fucking visa and all this shit. But if you have never heard my band, I'm putting a new song at the end here. We just released this one. It's called Traces of Love. And if you're a fan of 70s rock and roll, you might find that you dig this one. As we always say at the end of these things, uh, keep those eyes on the skies.